1976, Kyle Young answered a newspaper ad seeking ticket takers for the new Country Music Hall of Fame. And 41 years later, he's still working for the Hall of Fame, only now he's the boss as the director of the museum. Kyle has had his current role with the Country Music Hall of Fame for nearly two decades, and he's overseen a crosstown relocation, a flood, and a $100 million expansion. Kyle joins me today to talk about the evolution in the music industry and what he believes the future of country music will be, what it makes to be a great mentor, and how to be a good leader. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Kyle Young. From Main Street to Wall Street, global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Hey, the first question I have to ask you is, is this a dream job? Parts of it are. Yeah. Like any other job, right? But some of them, are, there's got to be some pains in the ass too, though, right? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you're dealing with finances. I don't want you to name names, right? But uh, Oh, you're talking about the people. No. Well, I mean, no, not the people. <laughs> it's always, you know what? In business, it's always about people, isn't it? Right? That That's the one common theme in all the C-suite people that I talk to, successful people, celebrities, whatever. It's always about people. Yeah. Yeah, it's always people. What made you think, uh, I'm going to go head up a museum and a hall of fame? What, I mean, what, you know, did you, is that your lifelong dream? Well, you know, I didn't really figure this out that early. Yeah. Um, I was drawn to music. I love music. Uh, I thought this would be a summer job. Yeah. I rolled in. I took a summer job selling tickets and uh, hung on. Really? Yeah. Were you a performer? No. You got the voice, though. Well, thanks. You do. You have the voice. You have that deep <laughs> voice where you would think you should have done voiceovers at least or something. Maybe I should have you do the intro intro to my show. I got. I have to do a new one coming up. So. No, I mean, I, I don't know. We've scaled this business considerably over the last 18 months, and so I'm sitting with a lot of young folks who are coming in here looking for jobs, and I'm amazed that they say they know what they want to do. And I was not really that way at all. I mean, I was drawn to music. Music was really important to me. Um Sounds cliche, but it changed my life. I mean, it was that important. Well, I, I, ro I rolled into this little museum on Music Row that had 30,000 square feet. I grew up in Nashville. I'd never been in there before, mm. but I was just drawn to it because I knew I'd be surrounded by music. Which is awesome. I mentioned to your team when I came in, I was, I, my plane was late and, you know, all the things that could go wrong. I was hot and, you know, and irrita irritable, but I was trying not to show it to them, which I think <laughs> I did a pretty good job. And then as I was walking through the museum doing the tour, and we'll get into all the things that were, you know, part of it, but I, I was drawn to a video and I started watching the video and that mood went away. And I, I just remembered how much that music touches your soul and how much it, you know, those messages resonate, you know. And then I started making a list of all the people that I knew over the years because when I was growing up in the early 70s, I think that was the uh, time of country music's, I don't know, superstardom. I mean, there were some people would say it was earlier than that. Some people would say it's later. But to me, uh, my, my mother and, and parents were divorced, but... She dated, um, you know, a fairly fast track kind of crowd, and it was people like Charlie Pride and Merle Haggard. I remember hanging out with George Jones one weekend, and I'm, this is when I was 12 years old, 13 years old, at an A-frame motorcycle riding in Georgia. Wow. Yeah, so you go, go back. So that's the stuff that brings me back, and, and so there's that touch. But So what did you do, you know, in terms of vocation before you, you said, no, I'm going to do this job? Nothing. Really? Yeah. 
You know, I was entertaining the notion of going to law school and doing some sort of normal things like that. But I was just drawn to this place, drawn to that museum because of the music. You know, you're you're talking about how the museum worked for you. And when this place really works, it's when you see something that makes you remember stuff, reflect on stuff. And it's interesting what will evoke those memories. But that's when this museum is really working well. You think about the things that will evoke it. I mean, you have a collection of two and a half million artifacts that were all given to you. They were all donated. Yeah. 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 That's phenomenal because a lot of museums have to buy that stuff. Well, you know, we're the Smithsonian of this music, right? And and I think that people donate stuff to us because they know that – we value the fact that we're making a deal with the public to take care of them. The whole public trust issue is very important to us. And they know they're going to be used in great ways to engage a bunch of different audiences. And so they know that they are in a great place. And yeah. that's why they donate. Uh, we're lucky in that we started this 50 years ago, our anniversary yep. tomorrow. 50, happy birthday. 50, thank you. Thank you. Do you have a song for that? I mean, I'm happy to sing happy birthday song, <laughs> but is there is there a song for that? Have you come up with a song? No, but we got a lot of music in yeah, here. Yeah, but tomorrow. what the There'll hell? Get, you're, you're getting behind. Let's go. <laughs> in a sense, we're really uh, fortunate that the folks that were running it then understood that this was an important part of America's culture, and it needed to be collected and taken care of. We got out ahead of the curve, right? I mean, we got out ahead of eBay and Sotheby's and yeah. all of the auction houses and all of all of that stuff. To collect so it. You got it. So, yeah. so you're absolutely right. We um, probably could create an acquisitions fund, but uh, we're, we don't need to do that. I don't believe in doing that. I feel like um, – People should give it to us because they want it to be here. and they It's belongs. the right thing to do. It is. And I will say, too, a, a huge incentive here is uh, we're a 501c3. Yeah. So, you know, there are great tax benefits to artists. Which, for those listening, if you don't know, that means nonprofit. Right. Right. And nonprofit is a legal designation. It means we're educational, but it's not a business model. It doesn't mean you're supposed to lose money. Right. Or not make money. No, you should. There still should be good you, because you have to put on services. I mean, you know, this place has got to be built by money. It's got to be run by money. You've Got to pay salaries, right? So, and where's the the biggest uh, income side for the museum? Well, we are really unusual. Uh, if you look at other institutions that we benchmark ourselves against, which are big cultural institutions, history museums, and whatnot. What, like the Kennedy Center? And what, what, would you, what would you put yourself up against? We're one of the 10 largest history museums in the country. Yeah. And so that puts us up against Mount Vernon, mm. Monticello, uh, Holocaust Memorial in D.C., wow. 9-11 in New York City, mm-hmm. Ford uh, up in Detroit. Pretty important, pretty classic places. So, so if you look at other not-for-profits and other cultural arts institutions, and you look at how they're funding their operating budgets, there are two kinds of revenue in our business. There's earned and contributed. Contributed being philanthropically motivated giving, uh, other earned lines of business. And in our case, we've got a really diverse revenue base. We love owning stuff. So if you look at the makeup, we obviously, uh, the museum itself, admissions are number one. Number two, uh, our event business. And I say we love to own stuff. Uh, very unusual in this world, but we own all of our F&B. And, What's and F&B? A food and beverage. Okay, the whole it. food and beverage enterprise. I met one of your guys downstairs. That was good. I was like uh, quizzing him, to get, getting preps. You have a whole floor you can 
rent out here and do events. Well, we've got more than one. We've okay, got a, I just heard one floor. Well, so we've got a, we've got la- last year. We talked to Raj. Raj said Raj one. Raj is the man. Raj said one. <laughs> he said six floor, as I recall. But 500 people, he said he could hold. That's his favorite. Is that that's right? Okay, favorite. so that's the one. That's no, one. last year we we grossed uh, right at 14 million dollars. Are you out kidding of that me? Business? No, I mean this we're is a, this is a, this is a real business. Well, we're a 50 million dollar a year enterprise, that's which makes good. us a large. Well, hey, 50 years old. $50 million. <laughs> Next year, the, the budget goes up. Right. <laughs> so that whole event business is certainly a large part of what supports the operating budgets. But in addition to that, we own a Hat Showprint, which is a letterpress printing company. Uh, we own uh, Studio B, which is a recording studio on Studio B, the most I think historic studio standing. So you can come in here and sh- and and record stuff. Uh, you know, you can't do that now, uh, but. Uh, down the line, I would not be surprised if it's a working studio. Is that a hint? Yeah. Okay. It's def- but you're not ready to announce something here? You know, uh, we're a pretty no. <laughs> big operation. You can announce a lot of stuff. Well, you know, the, the, the thing about this place is, you know, we just dream all the time, right? Exactly. So a lot of stuff comes true. Yeah, which but, you guys, everyone that's watching right now, the PR team is now <laughs> rushing out the door to stop the leaks and rumors. But, but you know, so you've got Hatch, you've got Studio B. Retail, most museums will not, uh, I guess, take the chance to own all their retail businesses. And we have four, uh, which gross about $6 million a year. And, and hey, look, it's about not leaving money on the table because mm-hmm. your margins are so much better if you own it, Oh, obviously. without question. Uh, but it's also about brand. Yeah. You know, how can you really manage and control the brand if you aren't really controlling the brand you know if you if you don't own it so if we didn't uh own our food and beverage service someone would come in here and have a wedding or have a music industry party or whatever and uh if it wasn't good and it wasn't ours they would still blame us so why not own it well speaking of food and beverage i i I need to take a segue here which is a good one very very well done kyle well played i'm following the cue cards that's the way i didn't even pull it out yet but now now that we're doing i'll bring it out so hey you know being a keynote speaker has me traveling a lot in fact tonight i'm going to be giving a big speech right here in nashville it's what brought me down here and then the team reached out and i said i gotta go to the museum i mean well who who doesn't want to come here to the country music Hall of Fame Museum, I mean, and see it all. But anyway, it's, I'll come back to that. So I'm on the road for over 200 days a year. A lot of you guys know that. I need caffeine. I got to have a lot of caffeine to keep going. I know a lot of uh, these country music people, they got to have that. Probably have. I think I remember I was with Charlie Daniels one night. He had a little bit more than coffee. He had a little bit more than coffee. But thankfully, more than 10,000 Dunkin' Donut restaurants across 38 states and 32 countries. I'm never too far from a Dunkin' Donuts. You drink coffee? Tons. Yeah, yeah you got coffee right there. It's not it's not Dunkin'. I don't it's in a generic white cup. It's Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Is it really? Absolutely. Seriously. No. No, okay. Well, that's, <laughs> that was pretty good. That was very it's very convincing. Very convincing. I don't want you to get in trouble. No, it's okay. It's all right. Hey, no, some people go to that other place, that five bucks place. You know, five bucks, five bucks for a cup of coffee. It's ridiculous to go to a place like that. So I it's interesting to listen to you talk, okay? Uh, one, just I like your voice. But second, the other thing is y- your background. And then you started selling tickets here. But you're speaking in terms of a big business guy or gal. But I don't, I'm going to be totally generic here. But you are. You're speaking in very big terms, which I would not normally find. And I've been on a lot of boards and I've been in a lot of museums around the world that don't speak like you. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I just... Uh, are you guys that unique? Um, I think that uh, we are, in mm-hmm. fact. I think that uh, if you look at board makeup and, and, and you look at how all that works, uh, I do think that we're an unusual C3. I mean, like I said before, I mean, it is... 
you know, you get that designation because of what your mission is, right. educational. Right. But it doesn't mean it's not it's not a business model, right? I right. Mean, and so I think it's important if you want to keep growing. If you want to um, really fulfill that mission, it makes a lot of sense that you pay attention to the bottom line and you really try to run a, a, a good business. You I know? tell you, I walked around, you know, I'm an observer. I like to look at things. I mean, you know, when I was chief marketing officer and I worked for like Kodak, I would go into the retail stores, put on a blue shirt, just like the Best Buy guys, and I'd walk around and I'd service customers and do that. And one of the things I noticed walking around here, a lot of young people. Yeah. Why is that? It doesn't. I, I normally, I don't. I don't normally see that. I mean, we need them. Yeah. I mean, that's one reason. And and uh, we've hired a lot of people over the last eighteen months. I mean, we scaled from you know thirteen million to fifty pretty rapidly. Mm-hmm. And uh, this place just uh, interests young people. Yeah. Maybe the same reason I rolled in here when I was a kid. Because the right? music, music and that, yeah, that yeah. helps a lot, yeah. doesn't it? I yeah. mean, that, that. I mean, if you were a place where you know put a lot of dead things, probably be a little tougher to get. Well, and, and and you know that's I'm interested. I'm glad you said that because I think museums are sometimes unfairly characterized as old and dusty and only about the past. And of course, we have a great opportunity here to constantly, you know, to be relevant. Yeah. You know, and, and we really are focused on that. Uh, mantra around here is is uh, balance, depth, and texture. Balance, depth, and texture is we're looking at our exhibition program. What do you mean by that? Balance and depth? Like in terms of diversity of the things that you do? Yeah. I mean, it's well, if you, if you go through the museum today, you will uh, see not only uh, great artifacts from you mentioned George Jones and other people of George's ilk but you will yep. also see uh, a song manuscript uh, uh, Jason Isbell's 24 frames song manuscript in this museum Jason who is you know a 30 something year old guy who is really dominating the Americana uh, format right now um, great writer who by the way his mentor is John Prine you will also see some stuff down mm-hmm. there from John so we approach this music very democratically both in terms of where one might listen to it uh, it's not just what you hear on the radio uh, it's much broader than that and we also approach it very democratically in terms of uh, what happened in the past and what is happening now thinking of course that the past informs the present and well, you, you have to honor the past, don't you? Don't you think that's very critical for uh, not only just a Hall of Fame but and museum? Don't just you you represent the the entity of the entire industry. Absolutely. Okay. No. So don't you th- you have to, you have to honor the. the this history. is a this is an important part of this country's history, mm-hmm. and we are the caretakers of this part of the culture. Are you speaking the mission of the thing right now? I'm or making it... up my own. No, okay. no, that, that is, that is. I mean, look, we've got a eight-sentence, this is our mission, yeah. which I shouldn't admit to you, but I could not recite That's it. Okay. Most people uh, couldn't. Uh, but, you know, but I, you got it inside uh, your soul. I yeah, I, d- I do, and I think I can express what it is. I mean, I don't really believe in kind of learning what the mission is and, and saying it by rote, nor do I believe in long-range planning. Yeah. I mean, it's like— Just do it. Well, I mean, you can't predict what opportunity is going to roll down the line. Yeah. I mean, this expansion is a prime example of that. You know, we knew that we were landlocked and we needed to get bigger. We knew that at some point a mayor— would step forward and try to get this convention center done. We didn't know when that would happen, but yeah. we started preparing for that eventuality. Which is great, by the way. I was just down here for the NAM group and spoke at the NAM group, yeah. which I, I love that group. What are your speaking fees, by the way? Yeah, well, hey, you can't afford me. There we go. <laughs> but, anyway, but for you, I'll do something. I'll be more than happy to do something. The, the, uh, but, yeah, it's. I just think that's real interesting. Do you have a schedule of when you – like, uh, this is only can stay for four weeks and then we're moving on? Oh, or? listen, we, we, we approach – I think people would be surprised at how um, calculated 
we are in a sense, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but no, we are planning our exhibition schedule three years in advance to get at that balance, depth, and texture thing. It's important to have um, exhibitions on artists that are really top of mind, selling all the records, selling out all the arenas, but it's also important to have exhibitions from uh, folks that might not be as well known, but mm-hmm. who are absolutely contributing greatly to the, to the genre. But some things have to stay. You need to kind of keep them there? Well, we have the core exhibition. You know, yeah. That's where we're really dealing with the narrative, the story of the music, the mm-hmm. history of the music, and that also changes out about 20% a year because our collection is so great and huge, as you already mentioned. But... Uh, Last year, we had, what, 15 changing exhibitions in one year. Wow. That is key to our success. Mixing it. Well, you want people to come back, You do. There you go. It's back to that museums are old and dusty. No. They're constantly changing their dynamics. So when you're calculating things, so for instance, I'm I'm a marketer, so I'm I'm constantly looking at things I do with the things that we're doing today, and I A-B test things. I'm looking at what our our funnel is, our click funnel is, what's coming through, how many clicks we get, how many see-throughs, what's the return rate, you know, so forth and so on. So when you're looking at those exhibits, are you like doing counts? Are you doing some of those kinds of things? We have all the stakeholders around the table, and, 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 and some of our stakeholders holders are marketing people yeah and so heck so, yeah so someone's saying hey that's a dud i you know i love them but that's a dud and this is the great thing about this environment because you've got maybe marketing saying wow i'm not too sure we can push people through and then you've got curatorial staff saying yeah well you're nuts this is an important person that we need to be doing something on so, uh, and that's that balance that's I, part of that well balance it's thing. kind of interesting because yesterday i was having a, a, a talk with some of my staff and i said something i'm going down the country uh, country music hall of fame and i said i hope i, I hope i see something from minnie pearl and because i know minnie pearl's cousin all right, and I wanted to take a picture yes. so I could, and she actually has a podcast on the C-suite radio network. Yes. So I wanted to take a picture for her, and then someone said, "Well, who's Minnie Pearl?" Now this guy is forty years old. Yeah. And I said, "How the hell do you not know who Minnie Pearl is?" And then I forgot the first eight years of his life, he never got had TV because he was living in Germany, yeah. and he he didn't remember who Minnie Pearl was. Of course, I mean, come on. He and then I said something about hee-haw, and he said, "What's hee-haw?" Yeah. And I, I I wanted to punch him. Actually, well, when the place is working great, though, see, this yeah. guy rolls in, and yeah. he might. In fact, we do have something of Minnie's on display right yeah, now. Yeah, I saw it. And, I, and I, so, I took a picture. And so, and the dress, or dress and a hat. Was there something else? No, that's you saw. You saw what we. I had. was man. Yeah. I was I. I hustled. I I was late, but I, I hustled through the place. Uh, it, it, you know, I grew up in this town. Speaking of Minnie, I grew up in this town, and one job I had while I was uh, in high school was driving a bus out at a art museum called Cheekwood and Minnie would come there regularly after her tennis game and get on that bus Minnie Pearl played tennis? Sarah Cannon played tennis Minnie Pearl did TV Sarah Cannon finishing school Belmont yeah Affluent family, yeah, and then that persona, many. In uh, fact, I mean, yeah. who knew okay. we were going to talk about Minnie Pearl for an hour here? But if you go into the muse- cool. you go into the museum, and she's in the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, and there is no death date on her plaque, and people say, "Why?" Well, it's because Minnie didn't die. She you know, didn't Sarah die. Cannon died. So that, anyway, hey, well said. But oh, Minnie, that's cool. Not only, oh, I'm tweeting that out, man. And, and, and Sarah, Sarah was salty language on that bus if her yeah. tennis game had not gone so well. I mean, Sarah would. <laughs> Berate her doubles partners, believe me. That's you know, awesome. So it's like, but anyway. Hey, what's your favorite item? Well, you know what? I'm a sucker for uh, things that were written. 
you know, like mm-hmm. song manuscripts, so like virtually it. anything in there. I mean, pretty hard to beat Dolly's Jolene, which oh. is written kind of with pencil and on, on a brown piece of paper. It's down there on display. So I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. Isn't that know? cool? Yeah. To see that and to yeah. have that? Prine. We recently put on uh, his uh, Angel from Montgomery manuscript mm-hmm. as part of our American Currents, this new exhibition that we opened, what, a week ago. Um, so I'm kind of a sucker for that stuff. But yeah. You know, it's amazing. I, I'm just sitting here. I, I was going through there, writing down the names of people that I actually know. You know, Big and Rich. I just introduced them at a big corporate function. Of course, he was on Celebrity Apprentice. You know, Trace Adkins, who is a good friend of mine now. And Trace was the first season of Celebrity Apprentice. And he sat in my uh, dressing room uh, right before the finale with Pierce Morgan. I've got a, a Big and Rich, an artifact from Big and Rich in my office. You want to see it? I, I would. I would love I mean, to see it. We're not on TV. No, we're not on TV, so we we'll have to describe it. So he's actually reaching into the counter. He's reaching it. Oh, a Crown Royal <laughs> bottle with just a little bit of uh, just a little bit left in it. So what's the deal behind that? They were donating stuff to the collection, and that was in the green room. And Is that? So, you, by the way, people, that's in the green room because I happen to know they have to have Crown Royal in the green room because <laughs> I was uh, part of the back room uh, be, back there, and they offered me some of their Crown Royal. I pre- I prefer Glenfiddich, but nonetheless, I went in went in you know country western, do what country western does. And boy, country folks. Artists drink a ton of Crown Royal. They, I don't know why, but they do. Is that a sponsor for you guys? No. Oh, okay. I was just trying to make sure we could work well, that we'll, in if we we'll had take to. take alcohol. All right. Sponsors. Well, well, speaking of sponsors, let me talk about yeah. one more of them because I, I want to talk about taxes. Taxes. There's a country. There's a. There's got to be a couple of songs about taxes, you know, because people don't like to overpay their government when when they're doing their taxes. So don't keep giving your money away and enroll, enroll in a tax course at Liberty Tax Service. You know the waivers. You know what I'm talking about. They'll teach you everything. Everything you need to know to prepare taxes so you won't pay a penny more than you owe. The course is free, and you might have to pay for some uh, books and supplies, but, you know, it's a pretty good deal. So not bad. You, you've seen those waivers before, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. You never did that for a summer job, did you? No, I did not. I, I would do that. if, I, if I, I would have done that when I was a kid. I might even do it as an adult if I, if I wasn't doing this, but I'm doing this. Is there a favorite memory that you've had when you've inducted someone in the Hall of Fame? Or that, you know, it's, I know it's tough to put those you know, together when you it, see it someone. It is, and, and, and it's not unlike uh, asking me about my favorite object in the collection. You know, we, a lot of times it depends on what went up most recently. Yeah. Um, you know, every year um, we formally induct Hall of Fame members into this esteemed body, into the Hall of Fame. Um, it's an intimate uh, ceremony that happens in mm-hmm. a new theater, the CMA Theater, that we built as part of this expansion. And um, those things are amazing. We handpick artists who will perform that day uh, and artists who are particularly meaningful to the person that we're inducted. Uh, last year, Randy Travis was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and, uh, Randy. You know, I love Randy Travis. Man, so we were talking about that before we got I do, too. I remember the first time I heard mm-hmm. the song 1982. I was driving oh. down the road, and, and, and it just blew me away. And so not only are you amazed that he is there, yeah, uh, which is an interesting thing about this job is actually getting to know some of these people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really great. But at any rate, um, so – Medallion, which is invitation only. Uh, we have been offered um, 
considerable money for it to be a TV show, and it, it just will never be a TV show, yeah. at least as long as I'm sitting here, because it's one of the last, I think, pure things that happens in this Behind town. Behind the door. It is. So this year, um, you know, Randy, who uh, everyone knows, had had a series of strokes and mm-hmm. almost died, actually. Um, his, his, um, when, his, his goal was to be able to walk up the stairs to... Wow. For Garth to put his medallion around his neck, he had chosen Garth Brooks to induct to him the, into the Hall to of Fame. Man. Yeah, and and uh, the night before, uh, we get a call from Mary, Randy's wife, and she says, "Do you think it'd be okay if uh, Randy uh, sang?" Mm. And it's going to be we're it's going to be a, a decision that we make on the spur on of the, the moment. Right there, but, but it'd be strong it, enough. Is, and that, he's ready is that okay? And and uh, boy, uh, he 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 walked up there with some help and stood on stage and sang a verse and a chorus of Amazing Grace. Uh, and no one had heard his voice. He hadn't sung in several years. And uh, boy, I, I I cannot tell you what that felt like. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just was amazing. How many folks were in the room? Seven hundred and seventy-five. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's still an intimate crowd. That's, that. it, it was full. Yeah. And that's what it will hold, and 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 it's really about friends and family and mm-hmm. uh, folks that are really important to this museum. You got to earn your spot. There. Yeah, you do, and we it, want we it, want. Who who are the people that get to go to something like that? Well, you know the the the, the people being inducted, the, the new Hall of Famers are able to invite fifty or seventy five of their friends and family. How many do you bring in every year? Three, three, yeah. So that's, that's 150, 200 seats right there. And right? then we're looking at our, our officers and trustees. And then you're, you're like, you know, a thousand friends, right? Yeah. And then we're looking at people who are really very much part of the everyday life of this museum. Inside, yeah. You know, it, it, it's funny. I'm up there because I'm sort of the MC for this mm-hmm. medallion ceremony. And uh, Garth has put the medallion on and Randy walks up with Mary and he sings and I can see how visibly moved everybody is. I'm standing next to Garth because Garth and I, they had come to us and said, make sure Randy's steady on his feet. I mean, yeah. this is before we even knew he was going right. to sing. I don't think Garth knew he was going to sing. So he gets through and Garth walks by me. I've got to go back out there. And, and, and Garth walks by and he says, good luck following that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's he tough. Was, he was right. It was an incredibly emotional moment. Which I, so, what, so what did you do? I'm curious. Oh, you know, I mean, at that point. I mean, we, you don't get up and tell a joke. No, no, no. We were wrapping things up, yeah. and I tried to wrap things up. But I was moved. I mean, it was a pretty emotional. It's, it's one of those moments you just take yeah, a moment, pretty too. emotional deal. I will tell you, just last week, to see um, Jason Isbell hang out with John Prine and Fiona, John's wife, knowing that Prine is is Isbell's hero or one mm-hmm. of his musical heroes, and for them to be together, together, yeah, to see Chris and Dolly uh, before this year's medallion see each other probably for the first time in a decade or two in a tiny little reception we had before medallion. Yeah, yeah. there's a picture right there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so yeah, you're talking about Chris Christopherson. Yeah, Chris Christopherson. Yeah. yeah, who, and, by the way, my mother knew, and I hung I hung out with him in a Holiday Inn. In a lounge at a Holiday Inn. It's a true story. I might, it's amazing to think back. You know, and by the way, I didn't remember that until I came in here. Yeah. Well, that's you know the museum's I, working. Yeah, I, did, I didn't. I was like, oh my gosh. You yeah. know, I sat with Dolly. I remember I sat with Dolly Parton on a plane one time. Yeah. You know, and things, little things like that. You know, and it's just kind of cool. This really leads me to ask you who your mother was. My mom was great. <laughs> she was a bookkeeper, but she she knew some folks that were in that genre. 
you know, that hung out with like uh, Merle Haggard and hung out with that kind of crew. And they were kind of rough characters. Well, they had fun. Yeah, they. I, I, that's a great way of putting it. <laughs> they were hammered most of the time, to be, be quite honest with you. And, and uh, like I said, we got to ride motorcycles and, you know, do stuff you do in the backwoods of Georgia kind of stuff. Yeah, man. All right? And, you know, and I'm sitting here thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, uh, you know Leonard Skinner and all these things. And I remember all this stuff yeah. from way back then. Yeah. Lucky. So yeah, we, exactly. I, I I'm like the Forrest Gump of business. <laughs> I've been through all these different things. So for the museum, what's next for you guys? What what's big on the horizon? What can people? What 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 do people want to know about or well, should know about? Well, I'll tell you. You know, in in pretty short order. You know, we moved downtown in '01. Uh, we moved from a 30,000-square-foot building. We built 140,000 square feet and finally had kind of the room that we needed to do what we needed to do. Uh, the expansion happened in uh, 14, 2014. We added on another 210,000 square feet. Um, so now we have the space that we can really do what we want to do. Uh, the cool thing about this place and why I've been here for so long is that it continues just to generate new opportunities. Um, what we're focused on now is expanding our educational reach, mm-hmm. and we'll have a great announcement coming here in the next month or two. Um, They're gonna wait, I, you're going to wave me off on this one, right? Well, yeah. They, I, the PR people are like, no, don't. They're giving well, you the dagger. That's why, she, that's why she's in here. That's okay. But, that's all right. But, 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 you know, I think it Doing is her job. more and more and more uh, good museums uh, need to try to engage young kids students as much as possible yeah. you know they're real demands um you got to go where the people are and and their demands on 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 school budgets and so on and so yeah. forth and so and so i think that we really uh can 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 be helpful there so get ready for something there as we expand our reach and by the way last year <laughs> yeah i don't even know what it is but i hope it's i hope it's i hope it's what i'm thinking is and, I, and i'll bet you it's something even if it's close to what i'm thinking is wow what what a great way to impact young minds and impact great new citizens of this country with some great values yeah hats off to you i don't even well, know what it is and, but and, it's got to be something along those lines and this music really tells the story of this country in yeah. lots and lots of ways it does yeah good bad and ugly. so so right. absolutely yeah and that's what you need so get ready for something there and then you know uh we were talking about this earlier when you rolled in here you know in lots of ways we're a content company you know we've got this huge archives and so there's all kinds of film photographs uh recordings uh all kinds of things there and so we are diligently trying to move through and and digitize it uh and make it more accessible to to everybody out there uh Meanwhile, we're producing a lot of original stuff here every year. Uh, last year, there were 1,500 events in this building, of which uh, about 1,200 were programs that we put on. And so we're elevating those production values. We're capturing them on film, and, and, and we are thinking about ways that we can make that content, that original content, more accessible to everybody, wow. too. And that has real marketing implications as well, yeah. as you know. I mean. You just expand your reach. So it's about accessing content. We've got creating new content and pumping content out of this building in one way or the other. So those are two things we're thinking Fabulous about. Stuff. And we'll keep, oh man, there's more. Well, and, you know, we got this great studio on Music Row, which, you know, hasn't been really used in a bunch of years and is magical and it needs to be active again. Yeah. Well, I liked, I tell and you, one of the things content. I was, touched my roots was the block printing downstairs. 
at show print. Yeah, awesome, cool. If you if you get a chance, again, I know that people are listening. When you get to Nashville, you want to come in. You want to be able to see it. For there's something for everybody here. And you and better plan. You better plan a lot of time because you're going to be spending a lot of time here because lots of good stuff. And that's a whole story in itself, Hat Show Brand. I'm going to come back. You should. we got to come back. we got to come back and talk about that because I think that would be a special thing because I love to talk about printing and the you know the art of that because there's a whole art around that. And we saved that company, yeah. and now it's profitable. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, listen, thanks for letting me come in and be a part of everything that you've got here. And um, I'm, I can't wait to get back. So come happy on. birthday. Tomorrow. And, and, and another 50 years. You got it. All Here's right. That. Right here on All Business. Thank you. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Brought to you by Dunkin' Donuts. Hey, as everyone knows, at the end of every show, I like to talk about the things I learned. Boy, I had a lot of fun. As you probably tell, I got a little long-winded because I really was having a great time. And you can always tell it when I'm having a great time because I, I get excited and I start asking more questions. But here's what I learned. Here's my takeaway. Don't forget in your business to honor the past, how you got to the dance, because a lot of people forget about that, and that's the roots. You don't have to say all the fancy words about what your mission and vision are, but if you know what it is because you've been there before and you remember that you got there because of the people that were there before you, you'll go a lot further along. The other thing I think is pretty cool, the way that they've innovated and innovated and innovated. And when you walk through the museum and you start to experience, you can start to see the changes they do as a business to be able to be intimate with the customer. Because see, it's that personal connection. Remember, I was grumpy when I came in and then something touched me and it brought back a memory. And now I'm flooded with all these memories of the things that were in my past that were all a result of that intimacy. So that's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazza. Don't forget, be intimate, tell a friend about the show, and they can tune in and get the value that you get. Thanks. Welcome to C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.